Hello, Disco Posse podcast family. I'm extremely happy to share that this episode is brought to you today by our good friends at Veeam Software. I know you hear the name a lot and that's because they're really fantastic. So I wanna do a favor to my good friends at Veeam. If you wanna think about anything you need for your data protection needs, please do go check out Veeam. So it's V-E-E dot A-M forward slash Disco Posse. That's a direct link, takes you right to the spot. You can actually buy it if you want. Uh, go check it out. Uh, let us know that you got sent from old Disco Posse. All right, with that, let's get started. This episode features Matthew Corbon. Matthew shares a really, really great set of lessons. Matthew is a motivational speaker, and he's a coach, a mentor, and somebody who's led businesses to incredible growth. But the one thing that's going to really blow you away is the story about how he realized in a visit to his doctor that he was in real trouble. And it's a story that you really, really want to hear. More than what happens, it's what the reaction is and what he's done as a result of it. So check it out. Matthew Corbon, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as I did. Hello, this is Matthew Corbon, and you're listening to the Disco Posse podcast. Matthew, I really am I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today because one of the things that's the most meaningful to me is people that have taken experiences and turned them into lessons and experienced the results of those lessons. And I think your story and a lot of your history really, really plays that out. Because I think what we've often found is that people, as humans, we tend to like to relive pain. <laughs> and we are sadly True. poor at taking those experiences and turning them into lessons and really seeing that through. So Matthew, if you want to first introduce yourselves, and then we're going to talk about you, your what your story, your personal story is, and really kind of some of the lessons that you've brought to the world through your own learnings. Okay. Well, first, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Matthew Corbin. Uh, I'm international marketeer. I'm a speaker, author, and uh, certified health and life coach. Now, that's always the, this is the interesting thing too, because nobody... Nobody starts out <laughs> as a life True. and wellness and health coach. Mm. It came to you as a result of some things. And in fact, I'm going to open right up because I, I like sometimes the questions I like to ask are things like, what's uh, one of my favorite questions? I think it's actually stolen from Tim Ferriss or, or somebody else is, you know, what's, what's the worst thing that's happened to you that you're thankful for? That's a good way to, to put your, it. Your, <laughs> so I'll, I'll open that up because I know you, I know kind of a part of your story, but I'd love for you to share it in, in your own voice. That's a good way to put it. And uh, before adding the title health and life coach, I was a consultant and a marketeer. And I was doing 
pretty good, like real good. And I used to work in the Middle East, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, and I started working for like big multinational companies. And then I did my own company and I was, at a certain point, I was just refusing more and more business. <laughs> this is how good I was doing. And, uh, okay, do you need the small version or the big version? <laughs> we've got, luckily, we've got room and time for the big version because I really, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love to actually really unpack the full story. So, I, basically, I, I, I was I was drowning in my in my work. I was working close to eighteen hours a day, and I'd like to tap on what you said first about our childhood programming. This comes and this comes from my childhood, being born in Lebanon, and having lived through the war, uh, pretty much put puts a lot of pressure on me. And from one side, I don't want to live this again, or I don't want to, I don't want my, my children to live this. And from in other parts, we somehow love to self-sabotage, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like self-sabotaging process, like enjoying this thing again. I don't know how, I mean, I discovered this later on. So anyways, after 20 years of working hard and starting a couple of businesses and doing real good, uh four years ago i went for a checkup a medical checkup and this is what i tell everyone but i'm gonna say the the, the the honest thing here the honest thing is i was finding it hard to walk because i became so big like close to 400 pound i wow. my knees couldn't carry me anymore and this is all because all i did is just sit in the office eat and work hard and go to dinners just to close uh, more business and, and, and to pitch and to, to PR. So uh, I was, so this is what I told the doctor, uh, can you replace my knees? <laughs> you know, with everything happening with the technology and all, I'm sure you have some robotic stuff you can do. And, and I wasn't joking, you know? <laughs> so it's like, let me see what I can do. And you have to do all kinds of tests. So he put me under all kinds of tests. You know how doctors are. And when I woke up after like six or seven hours and I saw him just uh, with his hand in front of his face and his fingers spread and it's like he's trying to high five me. And I was like, why are you trying to high five me? I just woke up. What are you doing? He said, no, these are the five months you have to live. Wow. Like, what? Come again? He said, yeah, five months to live. And I said, and I was alone. Uh, my, my family, they, they, they live in Ohio, in, in America, where I am now. And I was alone because I went to Lebanon to see this doctor because at the time I was in Dubai. So it's like, okay, what are you saying? He said, you have something. I'm not going to go into details of medical big names, but you have five months to live and you got to go and just enjoy it. And at this time it struck me because the first thing that came to my mind wasn't the, the, the pitches, wasn't the business, wasn't all of my companies and all, all of the success and the awards and the recognition. The first thing that came to my mind is the laugh, the, the laugh of, of my children and the sound of my wife and even of my pets back home. And I, will, I was like, I'm going to miss this. And this one, it really hit me. 
And this is when I thought that, why am I doing this to myself? For, for what? Just to have this five months to live? So being a martial artist, I remember my instructor who kept on telling me one word, one sentence actually, he was like, if you fall six times, make sure you stand up seven times. Right. Never give up. So this is what I did. I just, at this moment, lying on this operating table, I, I remember God on, <laughs> because this is what we do, humans. We only remember God when we need him. And I said, <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to be a good guy. And I made the promises to give up everything and to change my, 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 my life and to start helping people if I uh, go through this. So I chose to take the operation and the operation had a 50-50 chance uh, of recovery. So it's either I recover or not, but it's only 50-50 chance. And at the time I didn't tell anyone other than my lawyer who wrote my, my will, that's it. Even my, 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 my family, I didn't tell them anything. Uh, so I woke up, it took me close to eight months to recover and it changed my whole life. I can't eat most of the stuff right now, but and when I woke up, I started believing in something called health and life coach, because before that, I thought it's just a waste of time. And it's just for people who didn't have anything to do in their life. So. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's funny that, you know, we, first of all, congratulations on surviving something that's profound. Uh, and it's why, you know, it's why we can look back on it and, and laugh and I'm thankful that you're able to re really capture that and, and bring it forward. But something you brought up there, you, you had to keep this, you chose to keep this to yourself. That must have been incredibly challenging, more so than first you're alone, away from your family, having to face this reality. But now you're actually having to face the second reality and you made a conscious choice to to keep that internally what what was your motivation to to take that path to be honest with you eric uh, it was mostly it was two two things but mostly it was shame i was ashamed of myself because i know that my wife over the years she told me you gotta take care of yourself you gotta stop uh, overloading yourself with work uh, even at christmas night you're holding your pad and working and having your conference call while helping the kids open the gifts and even you're there for 12 hours only. So I was ashamed of myself. And this is the one, one thing. And the other thing is, is, is the pride. I mean, and we, we're going to come to this uh, in, in a bit about the, the pride of business people. And because I work, I work now with top executive and this is a big, big thing to, to overcome. But it was the pride. I was too proud to ask for help or to tell anyone that I'm having this thing. So uh, happily, I, I'm getting rid of these two. So I'm working on myself, st still work in progress to get rid of the pride and the, sh the shame and all of these things. Well, and, it, and it's amazing that in, uh, to think of sort of the spiritual, uh, how that plays out, they are truly sort of this yin and yang of forces that play against each other. Mm -hmm. And we... And like you've mentioned before, it's really, it could be the self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, as one gets stronger, it pulls the other one even further and, and it really becomes this thing. And you don't, you don't get to, you know, 300, 400, whatever pounds in, in a day, it takes years of, of small daily behaviors that 
eventually your body can no longer react in the way that you could to, you know, to make a sudden change. And then the most dangerous thing that we get into in psychologically is that we think, okay, you know, I wake up and I'm Matthew today and I say, this is it. This is the day that I change things. And you, you diet or you do something for five days and you don't see a very immediate result. And so we think, oh, well, that's it. Then I, mm. I should probably give up now. But meanwhile, it took us five years, 10 years, you know, who knows how long to accrue this psychological debt, this physical debt, this monetary debt. And yet we really struggle with seeing that elongated view of how it got there. And we just want to undo it very, very rapidly. And that's sort of this pride of like, if I'm a, I'm a powerful business person. I've got a successful business. I literally am tripping over work. I'm turning down work. How did this happen? Right. And this is that the thing that you face and it's, it's this constant thing in, in your mind that can really pull you apart. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's true. That's true. I mean, I think, and I'm facing this now with my clients as well. I think it starts with uh, being ambitious and wanting to achieve uh, stuff. But at a certain point, nothing is enough. You just want more and more. It's, it's like it's like it's power and, and PR. And you, when you're in the middle and in the spotlight, in the middle of everything, you kind of enjoy it. And you work real hard not to be replaced by someone else. And this is where you start planning the whole course of your life. And this is where I planned my 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 stuff that whatever happened to me uh, you start enjoying being being in the center of of attention you start enjoying the recognition and everything else and you keep giving yourself excuses that i'm doing this for my family i'm doing this for my career i'm, I'm giving this for uh, my, my my partner whomever and it's not true we're doing this for our ego for our pride and and that's it it's a humbling thing to realize and, and it's probably one of the most challenging things like you said you're you work with executives and folks who are, are, you know, business and finances are, are strong. They're, anyone would look at them and say they've, they're, they're grading this incredible legacy, but they still have this doubt and that pride and that concern and potentially are living small daily mistakes that will eventually catch up with them. And they're just, kind of like trying to shove it under the rug in a way, but it's like you said, it's that, that pride of uh, I'm, I'm building a legacy and you're like everyone out of my way. This is just what has to be done. And, and we forget about those, those daily care things that can turn into a, a significant problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard to convince, to convince uh, uh, the, 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 the top executives and the CEOs. It's hard to convince them that they need help because in their dictionary, and I was there, this, this, this is how I know that it's true, and this is how I connect with them. It's a weakness to ask for help. And this is the first step I take, take with them by letting them know that it's a real strength to ask for help. And you're not weak if you ask for, for, for help. Uh, this is this is the first step, and this is what I was uh, going through before, uh, Whenever anyone came to me for, for help, either my friends who were like nutritionists or my wife or anyone like you need help or let's help you or let's give you a piece of advice like, no, I don't need this. I'm on top of the world. I, I don't need your help because the pride is, is, is there. It's like, 
who needs help? I provide help. I don't take help. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? And, and, your, and successes can very carefully hide those that, that need, right? Because you, you look at 10 things that you're good at or one, even just a single thing that you're like, I'm, you know, you had a history of, of martial arts, your, your story from a youth of really what you grew up in. You're like, I've survived this. How is, how is this physical condition going to be the thing that takes me down? You know, exactly. I wouldn't mind. Let's go right to the beginning. Okay. Your, your story. Imagine, imagine as a youth, anybody who's listening to this, literally firearm in hand, guarding a corner, protecting your neighborhood. It's, it's an unfathomable for a lot of people. What was that? What was that like? Um, before I go there, just l l let me tell you a funny thing that happened to me a couple of months ago before the whole COVID uh, thing hit us. I was, my wife is a yoga instructor and she took me to one of, of, of the workshops and I was sitting there and the, the yoga instructor at the time, he said, I want someone to tell me like a, a hard situation is going through or something that is really weighing on their hearts and he, he just wants to get out. And I was like, okay, where do I begin? And I was, I was about to just raise my hand to talk and here's this, this nice lady who's sitting in the corner. She was like, I have something. And I was like, okay, you're a lady and just, just go. And she was like, we're moving our house and it's, it's hard. And, and I looked at her, I was like, I'm not gonna say anything because whatever i'm gonna say it's like insulting to her i mean moving her house is is hard enough on her and i know this that most of people uh, they they doing stuff as as simple as moving their house is hard on them uh, i'm gonna tell you my story now and then imagine yeah, it, imagine this <laughs> that is an incredible thing that in and we'll you know I'm always amazed that you you pick that up and it's actually rare. It's tough for us as as people to not immediately go to like kind of this one upmanship where we're like, oh. well, you think that's tough. Like I've I've had to do it eleven times or or and it's it's actually an incredible skill that you've got in that that empathy of understanding that now is not the time for me to to solve my problem. She has something that while to a lot of us be like, okay, that may not seem like a big deal, but to her, that's, that's life-changing. It's incredible mm -hmm. and probably mm -hmm. a really difficult thing. So it's, you know, again, a rarity in, we, we often have difficulty in recognizing other people's experiences and the severity that they believe they're in the midst of relative to their baseline. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It's hard. It's 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 good. You, that alone, if you could teach that class, <laughs> the world would be a great place. We're getting there, but uh... I think very because I spoke to this lady after class, and I just I, I was trying to uncover the why beneath the why, and this is what we do as coaches. And it seems it's not the moving that was hard on her it's the whole emotional attachment because actually her kids grew up and they just left home and they went to college and she misses them and she's a client now by the way <laughs> just story because... behind the story and, exactly. and that's that's often it right it's it's actually yeah, the yeah. 
the surface issue is the one that like they always talk about you know the when if when a you know a couple divorces it's because you know they they didn't screw the top on the toothpaste tube well mm-hmm. that's the thing that finally capped yep a, a longer history of, of issues that that uh, and that's the moment we see that moment as that's the thing that did it but in fact it's so much behind it true so here's here's my story let's begin on this i'm gonna go quick because it's, it's really very long but i was born in lebanon in 1976 and i didn't choose to be born in lebanon i mean so 1976 is just when the start the war started and for the next 12 years of my life i was in lebanon and our game first of all we we changed like four or five houses because every three years our house would be burned for, from from missile or something or invading invading it by by some groups and we have to run through the forest and sleep under under the sky in the woods for a couple of days so it has been like 12 years of running but during those 12 years of running, whenever I was in school or in shelter, our game was, as kids, just throwing the numbers. And the numbers were like 80, 110, 125. And those were the calibers of the cannons that were bombarding us. And we became uh, experts at these. Like, that's an 80 from 25 miles away. And we were like 10 years old. So... Uh, at the age of 11 or 12, they call you and they tell you, you got to guard the neighborhood and you got to hold. When you see everyone around the world playing, you are holding a rifle or a gun and you just ask to shoot at anyone who comes around without, without thinking. And you think what this does to you when you, when you grow up. So growing up, my father was never around. He was always traveling and he was always working more and more and more. And I remember the first time I asked him, Dad, when are you gonna come back come back home? And I was nine years old. He said, In two years, son, I just need to do something and this is all for you. And I appreciate this, but the last time I asked him this, it was a couple of days ago. Actually it was yesterday on Father's Day. I called him, you know, just say happy Father's Day. And I said, When are you gonna come back home? I mean my kids miss you. You haven't seen them for years. He said, in a couple of years. So uh, my, I remember my mom was always angry. She's still angry. She's still sad because she's all alone. She had to raise us all alone and she had to, to, to run from, from shelter to shelter and from everything happening. So it's, it's very much this, this pressure since... Uh, incredible responsibility and that nobody... Nobody would want their their, their own kid. They, they certainly don't want themselves to experience it, but they, they it's hard to imagine having to, what, what your mother must have felt putting that on her own family and, and her kids. Yeah, absolutely. And since then, I started to do really great at school because the only thing that was in my mind is that little voice that says, get out, get out, get out, get out. And don't get me wrong, I love Lebanon. I was born there, but... I mean, I don't like the war. I don't like the people. I don't like the corruption. And I don't want, I know that I'm, I'm a family man since I was 10 years old. And I knew that one day I'm going to have a family. I, I looked forward for this. And I didn't, I didn't want my case to be born or to live whatever I experienced. Right. So the voice, get out, get out, get out, was the main thing that 
pushed me towards doing great at school, at college, having high degrees, starting work real early, starting many businesses from, from scratch. Even though a couple of them went bankrupt, I never gave up. I did them again and I achieved in a digit company with, with five, six offices around the world. Uh, but at a price of, of living the first uh, the 14, 15 years of my life in war and then alone because at a certain point I was traveling alone uh, without my parents. I was living a little bit, I traveled to, to, to Switzerland, I traveled to like, like all over the world alone without my parents and even at college and when I started working, I was all alone. So I go back now in my memory and now my kids, they're like 15 and eight. They ask me, what is, what is it like to be our age? What do you do with your parents? And I feel like void. I feel like there's a big emptiness. I don't know what to fill it. And I start telling them like my stories yeah. uh, because I didn't live what they're living. We didn't have a movie night. We didn't have electricity, <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't yeah, have all of these the, things. It's the <laughs> definition we talk about, like first world problems. It's always, and it's tough too to like, as your kids are like, oh, dad, like this is, this is horrible. I, we, we, we can't go to the theater because it's closed for COVID. And internally, you're probably thinking, my, at your age, I, I moved for the seventh time because a missile stole our home. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, hard to, but how do you, how do you actually bring that empathy? Like you talked about the story with the lady in the yoga class. I mean, uh -huh. you, you face that a lot with your kids. Yeah. So yeah. you must have this sort of challenge of always being mindful of your experience being so different from theirs, but what you can, what can you bring from that experience into their current day experience? Um, it's, it's a good question. We always try to, to focus on the, on the positive side. So I go like, for example, uh, guess what guys, At, when I was your age, we didn't have internet, we didn't have electricity, we didn't have TV, but we, we made up uh, many, many games. And let me teach you one of the games we, we, we did in cards, just building our, uh, some houses in cards and playing pretend. So if we had uh, electricity or internet, we wouldn't have done this. So we try to focus on the, on the positive side and bring out what good thing came out of this. Yeah. Now, the, the thing that you've really done, and again, that you're, you're very open, and I always appreciate that. And I think that's what makes, us, what makes you a good coach. When we look at great coaches, it's, it's you have to have kind of this radical honesty and candor to be able to say, hey, look, it wasn't always great. And in fact, the best coaches aren't ones that are always successful because sure. they have to have stumbled, fallen. A great business person rarely is great once and only once. They usually have to have, you know, failed ventures, difficult times. We, unfortunately, we glorify the, the hero story without telling the actual story behind yeah. the story. And, and I think that's where, you know, coaching and, and what you're doing, how does that come into play now when you're working with folks, you know, and your, your clients to trying to help them through a thing? How much do you expose them to difficulty 
in order to create the adversity that I think they need yeah. to, to gain from it and then create that lesson. First of all, what you said is so true because when you're working with, with clients, the clients, they don't want to hear about how great you are or your achievements. They don't care about this because it's their, their session, not yours. They want to hear about the difficulty you went through. They want to hear about the, 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 the bad choices you made and how you were able to correct those, how you're able to come back every time. And how can you teach them to do this, to do the same thing? Plus, when you do this, you show them that as a coach, it's not like you're coming from, from, from up or it's not like you are the, the, the perfect person. No, you're not. And this is the first time, I, the first thing I tell them do not reach a stage where you'll be given a choice of 50-50 chance to, to live. And look at me. I mean, I learned the hard way. I mean, I still take my kids to eat some, some, some burgers or some, some pizza, and I still cannot eat these things because for life there are stuff they cannot consume or eat anymore. Uh, so don't go there. Just Just prevent it and this is the first thing we work on we work on just admitting our mistakes and why i i chose to work with this niche as uh, top executives is because i talk to them they relate to me i relate to them i i know business i speak business language and i was there for a long time and most of them they know me by name and i know them by name and I give them the chance for the first 10 or 15 minutes to, to, to humiliate me a little bit saying, Oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe what happened to you. And I love this. <laughs> and when they're done, I show them my picture, uh, when we were four years ago and probably with them in some uh, gala or gathering. And I tell them, look at me now, can you do this? And they go like, um, okay. Stop rubbing it in my face. I'm not. I'm just telling you that you can do great. Guess what? I have less money now, but I'm much more happy. I'm spending much more time at home. I'm, I'm with my kids, with my family. I'm healthy. I can ride my bike. Actually, there is a bike that can take me. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. that can carry me. <laughs> well, and imagine that. Like, what, what is the value of money if you only have five months to spend it? absolutely and we don't we don't know this when we're working i mean we just want more and more and more and until the point and this was the moment when i had this flashback and when i was lying on the operating table and this was the moment of, of truth for me when i couldn't think of business and I, the only thing that I, I was fixating on is just my family and that was it i was like why am i doing this i mean Anyways, most of the money was, was, was paid for my treatment and operation and, and everything. So it's like I was planning this my whole life and I found a good way to channel my money through and it's something <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it's, it is a, the interesting thing I always see with people too is this idea of like work, we work while we can so that we can enjoy when, we, when we're done as if like there's a done, you know, and I, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a done. I don't think that there's a now and later. I, I really, I've, through my own experiences, have tried to be better and more balanced of experiencing now. And because I've, you know, years go by sometimes and you realize like, oh, 
I was working towards some goal and then my goal got diverted, mm-hmm. but I, I spent that time and, and specifically set aside things that could have been experienced, whether it's a family experience or, or something. And then taking, you know, having gone through certain, you know, personal adversity, I now on the other side of it, I'm much more like, I, I'm okay. Like, you know, something happens, you know, you're like, I, I know I can survive this because I look back to a previous experience and that's really the, the thing of, and like I said, in, in reading your story and, and looking at what you've experienced, I, I love that you, you share it and you can map it, but you don't project it onto somebody, which is different. There's, you know, I, I always talk about there's certain motivational speakers or, or, or motivational, you know, books and whatnot that are very much like, you're doing it wrong. And this is what, like, it's a very, they're like adversarial coaching. And, and I, I don't like that. And a lot of that is very much like, I lost 400 pounds. So you have to be able to do this and you're, you're living a life you don't. And it's like, that may work, you know, that sort of militaristic motivation yeah, doesn't doesn't work for me personally. So I, I really appreciate your approach of just share with open candor. This is, you know, what are you looking for? You know, ask them what their goals are, what's holding them back from their goals and, and maybe so let's see, let's let's get into that. Your your methods beyond that that first meeting, how do you help to carry somebody from from their goal to Build, getting them on a path towards it. It's it's a process. First of all, we need to I need to understand their goal, and I need to help them uncover their goal. Because most of the time, no one says their goal from the first time. Uh, I, I give you an example, a, a real example with with a client, and uh, we're talking. She was like, uh, "I need to lose weight." Like, okay, why? I was like, because I need to lose weight. Yeah, I get this, but why? I want to look nicer. I want to look sexy. Like, okay, why? Just, just humor me. Why? She was like, um, I want my husband to look at me. Like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Why? Tell, tell me more. She was like, I feel like my husband's not paying attention anymore to me. So I was like, okay, so you don't want to lose weight, really. You just want your husband. You want a, a better relation with your husband. So this is what we we have to work on. So the first the first step is to really uncover the objective, and be, because if you listen to the client from the first time, they could mislead you. And this is why you're the coach. You have to uncover that. You have to help them because most of the time they don't really know what they want, and the first right. thing they say isn't what they want. Yeah, in fact, it's usually a mister, a specific misdirection because they want they quite often they're afraid of their goal. They're they're and they they're afraid to uncover the deeper thing. So they set something like, "All right, this will keep him. This will keep Matthew busy. He can he can help me with this thing, and then I can sort out my own problem in the behind behind the scenes." But you know, we have difficulty in in our own openness and, and like you said, no one just the fact that they've approached you at least they're a bit further along. But a lot of people, even at that point, are still shielded and, and yeah. trying to kind of protect yeah, themselves yeah. from their real goal. It's it's so true. You said it, you put it so 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 nicely. And it's seventy five percent. From my experience, seventy five percent of people they look for excuse to fail. 
Yeah. And they mislead the, their coach so they could fail. And at the end, they will, it's, it's like proving to themselves that, see, I tried. Yeah. And this, this is what I go through through my, my method that I developed. It's because through human nature, we like to protect our comfort zone. We love our comfort zone and we like to protect it. And this is what we like to be in. It's like a kid playing this game and playing the same level over and over again because he's just enjoying it and he's not beaten there. And this is what I developed through my method is do not leave your comfort zone, just like everyone says, just challenge yourself, get out of your comfort zone. I say, no, don't. Do not leave your comfort zone. Stay in your comfort zone. You've been working so hard for the past years to reach here but drag your comfort zone along with you through the journey. So if you're moving along, just move with your, with your comfort zone. And this is why it's very important to me to know the client and to get to know everything about my client. So I start working with them uh, and I start helping them to move through with their comfort zone because there is something, most, most of the top executives and CEOs and most of people, they don't really have time to plan their life and to plan being healthy. They take it somehow for granted and they think, okay, my body is very smart and it will adapt to whatever I give it. And it is, but it's, it's building bad habits as well. Right. So what I start doing is I start working on their habits bit by bit. And I start working on the low hanging fruits whereby the people who see them, they will start telling them something nice which will satisfy their, 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 their pride and their ego. And they're like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. I got to trust him more. And this is when we start dig, digging deeper into the bad habit, habits to change them without initiating this shield and this excuse to, to fail. Yeah, and the, the feedback loop is incredibly important in, in how we motivate ourselves to get to that next, you know, those sort of small, small incremental goals. And it's, there's a funny thing that we, we also have this, a strange acceptance, Matthew, like you said, um, you know, we, we love seeking failure because it's easy to achieve. <laughs> and I've, I've met people like when I was, you know, in my thirties, uh, I, I, I was, a I started cycling uh, and I had rediscovered cycling when I was a kid, I used to cycle because I lived in the middle of nowhere. And so I used to cycle long distances. And so a friend of mine says, you should, you used to ride a bike all the time. We should do this together. And I said, oh, you know, he's an Ironman athlete. I'm like, there's no way. And he's like, no, no, we're just going to go for, you know, small rides and we'll increase our, our duration. And I was like, okay. So I started going through, you know, this, you know, this journey with him a little bit. And what I would do is I would go to uh, the drugstore, a pharmacy, and, and they had this little, like the blood pressure uh, machines but they also have your heart rate. And so I would, every time I would go to the store, I would go in and I would check my heart rate because that was a goal to get your heart rate lower. Yeah. And so I would do this as my little validation. But what I didn't realize was that when I looked at the other numbers that were beside the heart rate, it said 140 over, you know, 110. Oh, and okay. I had not, I was looking at the heart rate. I'm like, great, I've got a, you know, a 51 resting heart rate. I feel good. I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. And then I go to, and I talk to my friends. I'm like, oh, this is weird. I've got, you know, slightly elevated blood pressure. And they're like, oh, well, that's normal for somebody your age. This is what happens. And I was like, no, no, it's, 
why? And, and so my, I luckily had achieved the point. I went to my physician and, and they said, yeah, we, we need to fix something because you're at the point where you need to potentially take medication for this. And my father had had a near fatal heart attack when he was 41. So I was now on, I was treating myself as I'm on borrowed time, right? Because I'm, I'm heading into this life landmark that he had hit and no one no one said, you know, hey, yeah, it's, it's okay. You know, they said, oh, it just happens. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> like, it doesn't happen. I don't have to naturally gain weight. I don't have to naturally do these things. Like we, in fact, we let a lot of these things occur. And in, in a weird way, I think, well, sadly, we celebrate a lot of it. That like, you know, my, my girlfriend way years ago at the time, she's like, everybody used to joke about like, you know, like you're like taking turns, everybody's doing chin-ups or push-ups. Like that was the competitive thing when you're 17. When you're 23, people are around the pool poking their belly, going like, hey, look at that. Like, I'm getting mushy. And they're like almost strangely proud of it because that's just, we've hit that stage in our life. And I'm like, no, no, no. We don't need to hit that stage. There is no stage in our life. You have to, we don't need to be there. <laughs> there are 80-year-old martial artists and cyclists and iron men and, you know, iron, iron women. We athletes like, just, I, I, you know, we, we don't need to degrade progressively over time. We can battle these things, but it's hard for us to recognize it and yeah. embrace that it doesn't need to happen. That's, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so true. And most of the time, people, they cannot do this on their own. This is why you said something very, very interesting a while ago about some methods that I call the old school of, of uh, <laughs> maybe motivation I, I don't know if it's motivating or not and i gotta tell you something my dad has this and i don't know maybe he's gonna get uh, upset now listening to this but he has this it's like whenever you do something good and you're happy and, and proud of it and he never tells you you did good he, he goes like you can do better there are people who's doing better that I'm, I'm second i came in second yeah and what happened to the first like yeah but there are like 70 people after me and i'm i'm second yeah but you could have gone you could have came first and this is like the old method yeah and uh, it goes along uh, to, 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 to coaches and nutritionists and all of these things, all, all of these people, because the old method doesn't work anymore. And the first thing I tell my clients when I start working with them is I don't have a sheet that I can just pull out of my drawer or just print from my, from my PC and give it to you. Because if you're looking for this, just go on the internet and just print anything for free. Everything has <laughs> yeah. to be customizable. I mean, you deserve this. You deserve to be given a customized uh, sheet based on what you like, what you dislike, uh, your, your daily habit, your daily, because the reason I'm here now, because for the past years, you have been planning for me to come here, to come and help you. Obviously, you don't know how to take care of yourself. Obviously, you don't have time to do this and you need help how how i know this because i know it firsthand i was there and here i am yeah you you wrote something very interesting and something that i think we have difficulty telling ourselves you deserve this mm. how do you how do we remind ourselves 
without hitting the negative life event, Matthew? Like, uh, how, what are, how, why did we forget as a society that we, we deserve to live well? and to enjoy things it's when do you, do you know like it's hard to tell you and i sort of come from the same era and we lived through a few different generations and decades of the way that life went and we whether and i'm not going to say boomers millennials like uh, i'm just going to talk about us like somewhere yeah. along the way we lost sight that we deserve this mm-hmm. we deserve it's not free and it's not easy but we deserve the outcome yeah I think we are drawn by by the whole circle of everything in life has a price tag. And you start thinking very materialistic and you start thinking that everything has a price tag and you start evaluating everything logically using your left brain and you forget that there is a right brain, brain and there is emotion and there is faith and hope and without hope, no one can survive. And this is why half of my work with, with my clients has meditation and has some spiritual uh, uh, momentum without tackling religion or anything. I don't care what, what, what everyone uh, religion is, uh, respect everyone, but it's basically reminding everyone that there's much more than a price tag to everything. You don't have to evaluate everything based on its price uh, whether it's in, in, in dollar or just how much it, it's worth uh, because this is this is the whole thing we're living in today our car our house what we're wearing what how people view us uh, the first impression we make on people based on our clothes or or, or, or or everything I mean once you strip yourself out of this and it's, it starts making different sense. You start focusing on yourself. You start focusing on something much deeper than what you make or what you have in the bank or what car you have in your garage or what clothes you have in your closet, even what language you speak. I mean, I always get this one. I want to go on stage and the first thing I say, guys, it's the French. If you're wondering about my, <laughs> about my accent, <laughs> my first language is French and it screwed my accent. This is why. It, so stop wondering about my accent and where I'm from. It's, it doesn't really matter where I'm from. We're, we're from the same place. It's the humanity place. And once someone starts making this balance, and this is what I do, this, this famous wheel chart and divide into pies and trying to make balance between all the pies. And once we start balancing the spiritual with the materialistic and with everything else, the person starts feeling nicer, like, okay, I'm closer to everything. It's, it's nice. And it's, and they start using words like spiritual and all of these, which is fine and nice, but the outcome is what we're looking for. Yeah. When, and there's an interesting thing, uh, you know, that we, I call it, I I've embraced a middle ground in between a lot of things. Cause I, I true, I'm lucky in that I've worked very hard in order to achieve some level of, of financial stability, not, you know, certainly if, if, if the money stopped coming in today, problems would happen very quickly. <laughs> like, uh, however, I, I call myself a minimaterialist. I'm not a, true, a minimalist of like, I want to live like a, uh, you know, a sort of monastic monk like experience. And I also don't want to be a slave to 
my you know material belongings mm. so i like a a minimal ground of like i enjoy material objects however let's limit how much time i spend achieving them and, yeah. and celebrating them mm. and in fact i'm lucky enough that i've learned to when i get something that i really enjoy it just immediately feels like it belongs and there's nothing more like i've gotten rid of the the incredible high because if i having learned how to do that I then don't crave filling that high because the mm. problem with those spikes and highs is that the moment that we achieve one, when you go back to baseline, like you said before, everything we, we are, we are built in life to go up and to the right financially, fiscally weight, you know, business mm. Mm. Yeah. achievements. So I prefer to move that plane horizontally and think of markers rather huh. than peaks and and achievements in that way rather than always seeing the amplitude of my achievement as having to be repeated because then i i find i set myself up for failure and then at some point i did it as a youth i fully embraced like yep can't be done there's no way that i can hit that thing hmm. and then when i do achieve them i think well there's no way that was this must have been accidental. I couldn't possibly do that again, or I'm not clearly not, I don't deserve this. And so I had to rethink, change my thinking so that, you know, again, like, you know, the, so my mini materialist is my, it's my weird word that I've created to kind of try and describe where it's okay to appreciate good things, but it's not okay to be bound to them as you're defining your success. And experience. I like this. This is this is what I was talking about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's the middle ground of everything. It's uh, the balance. It's it's the balance. I mean, I have some some clients we we became it's uh, like good friends and we have them like over. And the other day, one of my clients who is like a VP of a big IT company and he came over and he came in and he was like, wait your house is like a tech company everything is smart in your house you have <laughs> you have cameras you have staff you have all of the virtual assistants and i thought you teach spirituality i said no but the most important i mean i teach balance and the most important thing is to make good use of technology and 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 advancement to your own benefit i mean if, if I'm not spending time on these and if these are serving me right in my business and helping me to achieve balance, why not? I was like, oh, interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm the VP of an IT company and I don't have these. I haven't thought of it like this. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> well, and so spirituality is an interesting thing. And you, you, the, I love the way that you phrase it is that we, we only seek God when we need him. And, and so take... You know, and I, 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 I don't treat it as like capital G God. You know, I, I treat it as sort of a spirituality of. Yeah. And what I always appreciate is folks, whether whatever their their spiritual choices are, whatever the religious choices are, I, I believe in complete freedom. And so, what I look in all of them, and I studied a lot of different religions, to capture what drove people to adore and map to these, you know, mm. and you look at the stories, the parables, the lessons. They're, they're ones that if you play them out and you take the characters out, the stories are important. And I think they're, they're just life stories. Yeah. And in fact, if you, what you learn when you study five religions, they look a lot alike. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because right. 
they give us stories of history that we can look to for inspiration. And, and, and that's the, so that's why I always appreciate it. There's a great uh, book called the four agreements uh, mm. that I use to recommend to people. It's very, it's a short read and then it, it's very good. It's sort of a, a, a somewhere between stoicism and spirituality. And you can choose to attach religion, your own religion to it, but you don't need to. And if mm. you're, even if you're completely atheistic or agnostic, you can still appreciate the lessons in this book and and so it's it's kind of neat but how like you said people will look at what you do and your how you help them and the fact that you embrace yoga meditation uh, things which some people just automatically attach like oh well matthew must clearly be something right and especially if they're like you're from lebanon there's like all these bold assumptions you therefore you, how do we get rid of those assumptions and say that you know these are just practices that happen to be dominant in maybe religion but they're everyday practices. <laughs> oh, I heard this a lot. I mean, th the first impression I make with my, with my accent and my, my, my look, especially being born in the Middle East, like in Lebanon, like they, I'm start, I start to get these labels on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I use these to my advantage, honestly. And I tell them, listen, I'm, I'm born in, in Lebanon and I'm one of the... I mean, one of the few because um, I'm Christian and I'm Greek Orthodox and there is only less than 1% of us born in this part of the world. So I was lucky. So this is the first positive side. I was lucky to be there. Second, being born in this part of the world, I was exposed to so many religions, so many faiths, so many ways of, of uh, I don't know, faith or anything else. And this has widened my horizon and this has taught me a lot, a lot of things about many people, about coexistence, about respecting everyone, about uh, knowing why we're different and respecting the fact that we're different. Because when we were born, we, weren't, we did not choose to be born in, in a certain religion or in a certain country. We, just, we were just thrown there. And growing up, we either changed or stayed or depends and most of the time why we want religion is because of two things one is because we want authority and every human wants authority over his head he wants to know that there is someone who created this but there is someone also who, uh, whom i can blame at a certain point for for stuff that has gone wrong in my life yeah and the second is just belonging and this is why we have the worship worships and this is why uh, the church has uh, evolved from from mass and being quiet to participation and singing and, and and everything else because of the belonging of everyone who goes there just to be part of a certain community and to talk and to belong and to just have this window out of the work and, and everything else and if we look at it like this and we give it this positive uh, side regardless if he believes in one god or 200 gods it doesn't really matter if if he's a good person at the end and if he's doing the basics this is what really matters yeah, it's interesting that and i look at the one of the you know the stories that i always enjoy reading i go back to and read every once in a while is the lord of the flies and it's this funny the idea of like children who they get rid of all the parents so no more rules no more whatever and then the first thing they do is that they begin to to act as a society and they begin mm. to 
we have to set some basic rules. And if you obviously, it's a powerful story about, you know, how power and, and corruption and, yeah. and influence and, and those things come into play. But what they end up coming up with is effectively, one would call them commandments, mm. you know, uh, <laughs> or, or constitutional, you know, uh, proclamations. Whatever your thing is, if you look at it, we, we find a natural order. And like you said, we find it for two reasons. One, to be able to say, aha, see, that's why it happens. Mm. And to say, aha, see, that's why it went wrong for me. Mm. That's right. That's right. Uh, absolutely. And uh, again, our, our childhood uh, programming affects everything. I mean, again, I go back to my story. I hated the fact, I still hate the fact, and hate is a big word and I rarely use it, but it discusses the situation here that, that my father was never around and he was always traveling and every time we tell him, come back home, he goes like, here, I got you a gift. Like at a certain point, you do not want a gift, you just want a hug. But guess what? I was doing the same thing to my family. I mean, I was away and I was uh, sending them loads of gifts and one day I came home like five or six years ago on Christmas and I was leaving 12 hours later and my son who was at the time four years old, he just grabbed my foot and handed me his piggy bank and he said that open this and take all the money in it, but just stay. Yeah. And I ignored it. Funny enough. I mean, now I got chills while, while telling the story, but at the time I just ignored it. I look at him and I said, when you grow up, you understand. And now I know that I told him this just to give an excuse to myself and just to give something to myself to not feel guilty at the time because I was so much focused on business and business and telling myself all, all of these kind of, of words. So yeah, we go back is, to our childhood, our, to our, yeah, you're right. And the amazing thing is at four years old, he had already grown up and understood. I know, right? <laughs> and, he, and, he's, and it's... That's what's amazing when we look at, at children and how they adapt. So this is beautiful combination of like seeing the youthful understanding where like, cause they, he, he didn't have a rule or, or um, there was no, you have to do these things in order to get these things. Right. So we have to, what I want to be able to, we should all chase that mm. love of a thing. The fact that we should separate rules. This is a thing that I want, you know, and then at the same time, under, now that we're older, we've lived through life and, and we understand the rules, how can we break them down and make them not rules, but make them maybe guidelines to obviously same thing as like spirituality and morality are different yeah. things. If you, there's a moral basis to spirituality, but one does not beget the other. It's, it's sort of a, it comes out in the stories, but the, the other thing as well is the current thing that feels like the worst thing in the world, then the current, you know, everything is obviously we're acutely aware every second of every day through social media and all these things of all this negativity in the world because negativity comes to the top. Mm. And I luckily, you know, being my age and you and we were in the similar age bracket and said, uh, uh, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. As much as things change, they remain the same. So right. to, today it's whatever the, the challenge of the day is or the decade even, but we lived through it somehow in the past. So can we take this 
youthful vigor and lack of care for the rules and needs that your son had at four or 10 or whatever. Yeah. And then can we also take a look back and say that where have we achieved this before and where have we survived this before? Mm. And can we bring those two things together? And it's, uh, you know, you I mean, it comes out in the way that you do things and your storytelling is powerful. And again, and uh, what makes you very good at what you do, Matthew, is that it's, it, you don't, you don't even know you do it probably like it's, it's people have obviously figured it out and it's come into play with, and I hope you get incredible success. You deserve it. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I started telling my story only a year ago and I used to keep my story to myself. And a year ago, I acquired a big client just by telling my story and it wasn't my intention. I was sitting with a friend and we were discussing my story and the other, the, 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 the other person who's my client now, he was sitting and listening, speaking and, and he said, I want to be your client. I was inspired by what you said. And then this one, it hit me uh, that if I can inspire people by telling my story and by admitting my mistakes and, and, and telling people how I got here and how I got to be a better version of myself. If the first thing I tell people, what if you can become the better version of yourself today? I mean, what if you can just stand up, take a step forward and look over your shoulder and see yourself your past self, your 1.0 self, and now your 1.1, what would you tell yourself? How does it look from where you're standing? How do you feel now being a better version of yourself? And this is what I want to help you achieve. And this is what I can help you achieve. And not by the, the, the normal methods and not by the typical methods. Because like you said, if you go over the internet, and this is one of the things I don't like in the internet and there are many things in technology that we should be grateful for and they're helping us but many things are there is the negativity and I was I had a friend over a couple of days ago and I just bought a pair of speakers and he was like oh you bought these speakers I read some really bad reviews about these I said who wrote these reviews? Are these people <laughs> yeah. experts or you just read something over the internet and maybe this guy is a pissed guy at his wife or at his son or maybe the shipment arrived late or so we should really filter and we should install an, an inner filter about everything and learn to, to, to evaluate everything before we just dive in it. I guess, it, I guess this is, yeah. It's context, right? And, and we lack, we so lack it. In fact, you, so I, 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 I won't go into the specifics of where it came from because I don't want to, but it was an interesting story that I heard on a podcast and the people on the podcast specifically said, you know, what's going to happen. This is going to show up someday, probably tomorrow as a headline saying that I said this, but they won't give the context. And it is exactly what happened. The context was stripped away and only that little snippet was put in there. And that review, that something, a book that, you know, like I would say it finds the, the most amazing person and I'll find you somebody who's really tired of them. You know, yeah. like it's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. take the context of the whole. And, and so that set of speakers that you're just looking and listening to them saying, these are great and I, they're great for me. It's all I need. Yeah. But you know, to somebody else, maybe they will probably never buy a pair of speakers because all they're going to do is sift through negative reviews and realize yeah. that maybe there's, they're going to feel there's no point. 
mm-hmm. it's kind of sad that we we in the same way that we we seek failure so easily mm-hmm. and 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 I, your way of describing you just be one just do something today and be better than yourself a better version of yourself and i yeah. i always i use the phrase you know uh, and my my oldest daughter she's a, an athlete and one of the signs that's in one of this indoor skate park that they have it says be better than yesterday mm. and that's really all it is it's just be a better version of of yourself in some small incremental way and that can help us to be, build that feedback loop absolutely and, and try to visualize it always and this is how i work with my clients just always try to visualize it just I mean, do it, and 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 I, I wish our speakers can do it now. Just just stand up and take a step forward, and just set a goal and see. Okay, this is my goal at at, at the end of the room, and just mark it with a T for target or O for objective or whatever you you're comfortable with, and take one huge step towards it, and stop, and then look over your shoulder and tell your past version, the version of yourself still sitting there and, and finding excuses, tell this person how it feels. Tell this person how closer you are to your goal. Tell, tell this person how, how good you feel inside that you have achieved something. And this is, this is the first step. This is, this is the, the, the motivation. And it's something that, uh, that we all need to do. So Matthew, if folks want to reach you and want to hear more of your story, and learn about your methods and hopefully to get in touch. And, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, I, I don't doubt you've got no shortage of people who want to, uh, want to be a client of yours and want to bring you into their life. Uh, but if, if somebody were to want to do that, how, how do we go about that? Uh, I give my, my website, which, uh, through my, through my website, I have my contact, I have everything and they can even schedule my session. Uh, it's Matthew Corbin. That's K O R B A N dot com. Perfect. And I'm on Facebook, on, on Instagram, on LinkedIn through Matthew Corbin. That's my handle. And uh, just now through this this whole COVID thing, which which is, uh, I mean, honestly, I have people calling me and asking me about this COVID thing just because I'm a health coach. And my mom is the first one. She's like, you're a health coach. What's your take on this? And I tell everyone one thing. It's a learning curve for everyone. We're all learning. And it's very important to come together to give back to community. And this is why I'm giving lots of free stuff. Not because uh, I want to give free stuff, because I want to give back to community. And just like one coach said to me, and he inspired me, honestly, he said, if I do this and you get jealous of me and you do it, it's a good jealousy and it would initiate a, a ripple effect. That's so beautiful. Yeah, and I did it and I'm giving a free session and free test. And so you get to, I give you a sheet, you get to test your personality, you get to test your habits, your the whole, the whole wheel. And we take it from there. I mean, I encourage everyone to get in touch uh, through my website. That's, that's, that's an amazing thing. So on that, right, that this is the other thing that I'm always reminded to, as much as I say, you know, this is a significant event, you know, one, you know, was, as uh, uh, Taleb would, would call it a, a black swan, you know, oh. it's, it wasn't, 
it could not have been predicted. And the worst thing is we're going to spend the next decade trying to prove how it could have been instead of recognizing that it just couldn't have been. And, and the best thing we can do is learn how to mitigate towards and create. That's why I always appreciate the, the idea of anti-fragility. And so ourselves, we can, we need to be able to do that in small ways. So how did, like, this must've had a, a strong effect on people, you know, you know, yeah. and, and how do we kind of, work through this i won't talk about medical or whatever but really like how do we yeah. psychologically kind of get ready for for whatever's next and and not fear it because it's i think that's an unfortunate thing is that we've we are a lot of people are going to pull back from a lot of things just mm -hmm. because they're unsure that's right i mean the first thing and uh, i had i had a talk i had a virtual stage a couple of weeks ago and talking about this subject specifically and the first thing is to acknowledge the fact i mean let's not hide from it let's acknowledge the fact that we live in weird moments we live in discovered and let's try to make the best out of it uh, the first thing is acknowledging and the second thing is the pivot we need to pivot because if we just sit there waiting for the whole thing to be over it will not maybe, or it will, no one knows, no one can predict, but we have to pivot. And I mean, I, I give you an example. When, when this started, I got many events canceled and I love speaking on stages because I'm, I'm someone who does not prepare a speech. I believe in spontaneity. I believe in being passionate. So I go on stage and I start speaking and I look at the faces and I react to people and I interact Man with them. Man after my own heart. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so when this started, it felt weird looking at this green dot on my PC and speaking to it, knowing that there's a lot of audience on the other side listening to it, but I cannot look in their eyes and they cannot see me. But then I had to pivot. So I started believing in podcasts and I'm grateful for that. And I met you today and thanks for that. It's been, it's been an honor. Uh, second, I started doing virtual uh, stuff. And by doing this, I learned, I learned many stuff and I learned that I can help many people through this, people who don't have maybe time to meet in person or right. to just go to big conventions. So to carry short, it's pivot. So we, we have to pivot. Everyone has to acknowledge this fact, has to know that it's a, it's a new time we're living in. It's a learning curve. You can just mute your news application. And this is what I tell my clients. <laughs> Do not yes. do not yes. stop counting how many people died or how many people are infected. Stop this just because the media and they live out of this. They live out of news and no one wants good news. Everyone wants bad news because everyone likes to feel bad about something or someone. And this is how we make ourselves feel good by feeling bad about something else. So just mute this and let's focus on the positive side. Let's focus on pivoting. Let's focus on coming with a plan and knowing that tomorrow is going to be different than yesterday and how are we going to cope with this and not just sit there and waiting for it to, to, to finish. You said something that I want people to focus on and listen to the word that you use, which is ideal in what you just described. Mute it. Do not ignore it. There's a very big difference. Absolutely. We, can't, we cannot ignore that no. this is occurring. Mm -hmm. But muting it, there's nothing wrong with muting it. And I, I often, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, they get 
it's it's so strange. They they get viscerally angry when I describe that I mute out all this news and I don't watch the news. But then I do. I'll go through like I want to keep up with things. Yeah, I seek it so that I can get it in the way that I need to, so mm-hmm. that I can make informed decisions. But then I but I don't need to hear it all the time. And in fact, it's damaging to hear it constantly. And it's so true. Thank you for using that word so so perfectly that, you know, these things are occurring and we have to embrace it, but we don't have to wallow in it and don't celebrate the negativity. And when we do read every headline and follow every clickbait article, it, we we get pulled into that and we begin to celebrate the negativity, which is unfortunate because the you know the media industry is is in a you know they they've learned mm-hmm. <laughs> that a lot more people will stay tuned if you say you know are your child's toys co- potentially killers stay tuned at six right and that that's how they used to do it yeah yeah and yeah. you'd be sitting there all day like keeping your kids away from the toys because you don't know and then it would be like a story about something but it was meant to pull you in mm-hmm. but now in the 24 7 365 continuously push news availability we don't get that let's lay the quick headline and get them to come back at six and watch they're like no let's keep them on all the time let's mm-hmm. keep them embraced and enraged True, and I think that that spirituality is can be there's a beautiful negative spirituality that they've discovered, and unfortunately they thrive on it. Which is again, the media is necessary, and I don't want to detract from that, and I certainly don't want to pull your <laughs> name into my little tirade here. But it, it is something that we need to recognize, and and that's that's a very important part. That's that's right. Yeah, I agree. What what's What's a thing that we can do today, Matthew? What's a thing that you would tell every listener right now before we close up? Stop for a moment. And this is a thing that I suggest that you can begin your discovery of your journey. What's a, maybe even a daily, not a, maybe a meditation or, or a, a, a something that you, you like to begin people on other than of course, going to MatthewCorbin.com. I'll make sure the link is there. But you know, what's the small thing that we can do right now? It depends what works to everyone. But I mean, what I found that works to everyone is meditation. Uh, I would invite everyone to take just 15 minutes a day and meditate. I mean, and uh, it has, I'm not talking about any, any religious stuff or anything. It's just sitting in a room and uh, muting everything around you and just close your eyes and you might think about your day, you might think about nothing, and this is the ideal thing, or you might evaluate what you want, and it will give you a clarity because when you do this, it's kind of transcendental, and the, the fact that our inner is still pure and it's not corrupt by whatever is happening around us, it's able to give us more answers and to give us more clarity, and we can achieve more peace, and the peace we achieve it's we're able to shine it around us to our family and friends and create this this whole ripple effect around us and we'll be able to be more productive at our work at everything it's a a beautiful thing and with that matthew corban thank you and may peace and success follow you as you deserve 
And I hope that folks will go and, and, and learn from the stories you've shared today. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, again, for folks, I'll, I'll have links to Matthew's uh, website and uh, make sure you follow on all the social media platforms. Mute the bad stuff, follow the good stuff. So with that, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing. Thanks, Alex. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thanks a lot. Thank you.